Hi, and welcome to the Resilience Podcast. I'm Brad Hook, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Njibulo Satole from our South African team. Njibulo, welcome to the Resilience Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited, and I feel very honored to be part of um, the bigger Resilience Institute Global Family. Thank you. Absolutely. We are too. So I think for our listeners who haven't met you, uh, perhaps you could give us just a quick background. You know, how did you develop an interest in, in resilience? What did you study? What led you to connect with us? Um, I'm, I'm shaped um, by a number of things, by, by um, a number of experiences that have led me to um, take part in this journey. Uh, firstly, um, I come from I come from a family of three children, and uh, um, I'm in the middle. And um, growing up, you know, unknowingly to me, I think I've been exposed to experiences where my parents um, were sort of asking me or enabling me to be um, um, resilient. The number of responsibilities that I had to take on um, at an early stage, um, the role that I had to play, even though at the time it was gender-based, but it, it's, it's what they knew best, but it helped set our practices, um, mm -hmm. which is what we talk about a lot now. And I didn't know that that, that was the foundation. Fast forward, um, I started psychology, yes, 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 yes. And in that journey, I remember just to, you know, um, explore a little bit about, you know, uh, the question that you asked me. Um, I was attending um, a post-traumatic um, stress disorder a lecture, and the lecturer was um, exposing us to experiences of the war veterans. Um, and um, one of the key things that he mentioned there is that after the war, the some soldiers they adjusted easily to the environment. Of course, some exhibited mm. you know, intense stress um, disorder, symptoms, flashbacks, and everything. And he said, he asked us a quick, a key question. Um, what do you think is was the difference that differentiated between you know the two groups, those who adjusted well and those who battled? We were silent. And then he said, resilience. There was the first time in my life to hear about the word resilience. And it actually triggers something in me is that if people after such traumatic experiences are able to adjust and what helps them to adjust is this resilience, then I want this resilience as well. So fast forward, um, completed masters in psychology, and further on, because the environment that you live in, it requires us to sort of have that blend. So my qualification is a blend of psychology and business. I also have a business qualification. And after having, you know, gone through the business qualification, one of the assignments was to come up with uh, a capstone project. And my capstone project was resilience. And I was looking at resilience in as far as entrepreneurship is concerned. So that's how I got to into the journey. Then after having started, I called um, quite a few people around the world and I landed into Dr. Sven's um, lovely hands and he welcomed me and 
was very delighted to find that there's already a modern app there that talks to you know the ideas that I had in mind. And that really shaped me. My experience with doctors then shaped me in the sense that um, we're aligned in terms of you know in this life it's not only about the intellect it's about the emotion your feelings it's about your soul it's about your spirit it's about your physical dimensions how do you ensure that we incorporate all of this so that we live you know the successful life that we all want we all want it the fulfilling life that you all. so all of those experiences i think they've shaped me to be where i am today Mm -hmm. And we're so glad you found us. So <laughs> tell, tell me a little bit about the work you're currently doing in South Africa, bearing in mind that the context there is is different. There are different challenges to what people are experiencing in other parts of the world. So maybe maybe you could share a little bit about the, the type of work you're currently doing and and some of the challenges that organizations particularly are facing in South Africa. Where do I start? Um, and, and there are two parts to this. One is the work that you're doing, but also it's the impact that it's having on me. And I'm, I'm beginning to um, discover a lot about myself in terms of what I didn't know, in terms of what I expected. And I'm at a point where I'm just absorbing everything, you know, and they say, you know, knowledge is your wealth. And these corporates are teaching me, the people within those corporates are teaching me so much about their own, you know, resilience strategies. And it's teaching me that there's no one size fits all. And it's teaching me that people have been through a lot and they're attached to those traumatic experiences, hence the behavior seems we have to be sensitive. So there's that part about me, which I'm very conscious of. Looking at what we've been through, you know, it's a story of two tales. I have been exposed to entrepreneurs, corporates, families, committees, just to bring a little bit of context that have been battered by um, the looting, especially in KZN, where businesses mm -hmm. unexpectedly were destroyed. So we talk of the VOCA environment, it's volatile, you know, um, the environment is uncertain. It, it's complex, it's unambiguous. And I think that talks to the environment that is in, incomprehensible because we just couldn't comprehend, you know, what actually caused all of that. So those are the entrepreneurs that I've been talking to. Those are the corporates that I've been talking to who have suffered as a result of the looting. Not to end the context there, there's also the story of the flood. I'm sure we may have heard about Toyota, which has just opened about uh, two months two months ago because of the flooding. Incomprehensible again. And it makes really makes us really ask to be anxious what is next. And this is at the back of COVID nineteen. So that's the context. So we are dealing with corporates that are struggling with the external factors 
And these external factors have such an impact on them. We are also struggling with our own environment, the economic environment in South Africa, which is very poor, I might say, at this stage, mm -hmm. because of you know the corruption crisis that we all know about, the leadership crisis that we all know about. So corporates and also you know um, individuals within those corporates are battling with the number of external factors. Now, I said there are two ways of looking at that. So there are all these external factors. So there are corporates that respond and, that, and they say, what sort of interventions can we have in order to adapt to this? There is one group of corporates, but there are also corporates who say that the main issue is profitability now, and they cut their budgets to the core. And you find that people within those organizations, they are battling because the main thing is about being productive, being productive at the back of, you know, having experienced all these traumas. Okay, now let's deal with this group, the first group where you have management that says that we understand the external environment. And this is where I say to them and I take my head off to them and I say, it, it goes back to what you can control and what you can't control. And we'd mm -hmm. like to work with organizations that understand that there are things that we can't control, but what can we control? And together we can craft the plan of, you know, um, the competences that we need in order to make sure that we are still having a fulfilling life as employees, we are still enjoying, we are still adapting, we are still agile to the various circumstances that are beyond us. I'll make an example, you know, um, it excites me because, um, you know, I, I, I mean, just a few weeks ago, um, we had an engagement um, with the Reserve Bank of, of South Africa. And this wow. is one, it's one, it's very exciting. And this is one institution that falls into this group. And this is what they did, um, Brett. They have a framework. That's number one for me. So which tells me that the tone comes from the top. And it's very important, you know, um, in, in, in our journey as we engage this companies that there is an alignment because us as a resilience um, um, institute, we, we also have a plan, we have a pathway, we have a framework that is, and it's so important and it makes it so much easier if there's an alignment with an organization that already has a framework that talks to resilience. So they have agile, resilient and agile um, mm. competency for all central bankers. And that is where we fit in. And they took us through their framework to say that we expect to have a balance um, bankers, central bankers. And this is where, you know, um, we as an organization have put a budget on it. So there is that experience that is exciting that says that um, this is how we respond to the crisis. And those are the stories that we want to hear because it goes back to, I can't control this, but this is what I can control. And when you look at the whole framework 
of um, the Reserve Bank. They have actually, you know, categorized this in terms of leadership. Uh, there is agile and resilient, but also employees. When it, with other organizations, you find that you find a bit of both. You know, it's either they focus to employees that it's employees that needs to be resilient and agile, and nothing is said about yeah. the leadership, or else it's just we just want um, a webinar uh, for leaders, and, and that's just it. But here mm -hmm. you get a little bit of both. So that is, you know, um, the, 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 the current um, experience that I've had and the response that we are getting, you know, from, from, from some of the corporates. And the key thing that, you know, that makes us really excited, you know, about this is that they are looking at us as long-term um, partners. And it's very important that when we engage clients that, you know, we get clients that understand the effectiveness of making sure um, that the programs that they have in place, they talk to, you know, the overall um, well-being, um, whether it's leadership and whether it's employees. And then there's also the other group. It, it's, I won't talk much about the other group, but there's, there's that other challenge as well, is that, you know, um, you do have groups. Sometimes you'll get a call, I mean, to say that, okay, can you call us, you know, on this, we do the calls, but sorry, but, you know, we have no budget. Uh, and that talks to the profitability that I mentioned, that mm -hmm. the issue of profitability as um, companies are cutting off um, seriously there. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I think it's it's so aligned. I think that we have our best results as Resilience Institute when we work with organizations who believe, like we do, that business grows when mm. people grow. Uh, I'm exactly. interested to, to, and, and instead of, you know, trying to squeeze more out of people, how can we look after them because then productivity emerges. But I'd love to hear from your perspective, what does a resilient leader look like in, in South Africa? Because you do have different challenges. There are environmental challenges, there are political challenges, there's you know the looting and unrest, uh, which is at mm -hmm. the back of your mind. How does a leader stay resilient in themselves and how can they create resilient teams in this context? What are some of the competencies? Yeah. Quite an important question because um, I think when we started as a residence the, uh, institute, there was this challenge of we need um, data, you know, um, concrete um, experiences from from corporate South Africa that can actually um, back up, um, you know, uh, this idea of um, what is a resilient um, employee, what is a, a resilient um, leader. Although we do have a framework, but there was that call for. In what context? What we are experiencing, and this is based on um, the engagement with the various uh, corporates. You know, um, the, there's an issue of um, the, the cultural aspect when you go to um, different uh, corporates. You will find that um, when it comes to um, a resilient leader, culturally, there, there, there is you know, um, there are a lot of idioms and, and there are a lot of uh, philosophies around, especially Ubuntu, you know. Um, so a resilient leader is seen as, as, as that person who has um, those uh, competences or character traits that talk to kindness, that talk to being compassionate. And, and, and let me dig deep and in, 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 in put it in the context of, um, you know, uh, the web context. 
we are at a stage as I've outlined on the context where we have people who are traumatized, battered. So they are in a different mindset. Some are bitter, some are feeling lonely. A resilient leader in that institute, in my experience, uh, in terms of our engagement, is someone who is able to say, what are you going through? You know, can, can I understand what you're going through? I can see that, you know, in terms of your productivity, you are failing. So it's that type of a leader who would be able to listen, not only listen, but also in their choice of decisions and plans, there's compassion embedded in there. You know, is it possible that maybe whilst you are going um, through this, you know, uh, maybe take time off a little bit, recuperate, and whilst you are recuperating, the understanding of, you know, the different, the different aspects that helps people, you know, to, to be resilient and to come back forcefully. Make sure that, you know, you get enough sleep. Make sure that, you know, you do other things that are of interest to you. So a leader that understands that people need to be listened to. A leader that understands empathy in the deepest sense. There is putting myself in the shoes of the other person. So those are the values of Ubuntu. A leader that understands that I am serving you know, the leader that understands that if therefore I'm saving, therefore it means that it's not only about me, it's also about the other. And how is the other feeling? And what are the thoughts that are troubling the other? How best can I help the other? And, and it is coming out, Rob, you know, when, when I teach Connect, for instance, I spend a lot of time on, on connect. Bounce is key, grow is key, but I spend a lot of time on, on connect. Because, you know, connect, this is where we can look at the different aspects of emotional intelligence. Of mm -hmm. course, we still have to, you know, um, look at it within the framework of emotion, but the key competences that I focus on, you know, I need to make sure that I talk to those cultural um, values of Ubuntu, that you become a kind person to your employees. You become a compassionate leader. You become empathetic towards your employees and understand that those are your superpowers and it helps you that which you want to achieve, you know, monetarily, you know, um, indirectly. Uh, because of productivity, because of engagement, because now you can see people for who you are. I, I can add something else as well. There's this question about who you are, you know, and it talks to, you know, self-awareness, understand yourself, understand your thoughts, be intentional about your thoughts as well. But what I'm finding, you know, a, coming back to your question in terms of um, our experiences in corporate South Africa is whose do you belong? You know, it, it's coming up a lot as a competency 
you know, there is key, there is a leader. You also need to understand that people like to belong. Yeah. I belong to my family. I belong to my friends. I belong to my company. I belong to my colleagues. How then as a leader do I ensure that people get a sense of belonging within their organizations? And this has been illuminated by COVID, where now we have um, different modes of work, hybrid environment. Are we working together? Are we working? Am I working alone? You know, a combination of all of those. And a leader that is conscious of all of all of those components will understand that if I work alone all the time, I lose my sense of belonging. How then do I ensure that uh, there's that blend? So corporate yes. South Africa is, is really becoming conscious of, you know, I, I think, you know, having been brought up in the, in the psychology family, you know, understanding people, you know, putting yourself in the shoes of, those are becoming key consequences, you know, over and above, you know, the technical skills that people have, because we are now realizing that I can be burst, you know, as a, an engineer, I can be burst as an accountant, but I also need a balance of the skills that help me generate the positive emotions about my job. And how, how do I have the skills to do that? Because nobody teaches an engineer or an accountant in, in, or a marketer. It, the focus is on the technical aspect, the processes around that. And, you know, how do I do that? So we, we, we need leaders who are very conscious of, you know, um, those soft skills which help us really to be adaptive and agile. It's a long answer, but it's, 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 you've touched on a point that, mm -hmm. that, really, that really makes my job meaningful about, um, you know, getting into corporate because, um, it, it, you know, those, those competences are very meaningful. It, that's what gives us life satisfaction, you know, or, you know, over and above that, you know, I'm able to get, you know, um, across the line in terms of profitability and budget. But I also need to know that whilst I'm doing that, am I enjoying it? You know, is it meaningful for me? You know, because all of those um, competences and uh, help us to engage fully. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. It reminds me of an exercise I've done a few times in workshops where you get participants to think about a leader who has really changed your life, has been a mentor. Now, write down some of the skills or attributes that describe that leader. And, you know, there's maybe one or two technical skills on a whiteboard full of emotional competencies. They were kind, they were compassionate, they were empathetic. And I think this is it, when the world is uncertain, feeling that sense of belonging it really gives you this foundation, the stability that you, you need to go in and focus your attention on what matters. You touched on this idea of Ubuntu, and I remember an amazing quote. I can't remember it offhand, but I think it was by uh, Desmond Tutu who said that Nelson Mandela personified this idea of Ubuntu. Maybe you could just describe it a little bit more. Give us, for those who are not in South Africa, haven't encountered that term. What, what are some of the, the key elements of Ubuntu? Yeah. 
Uh, maybe just to flesh it a little bit, because Please. Ubuntu, uh, and, and it also broadens into, uh, because Ubuntu, 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 you are because I am, you know, it, it's, it's a concept, a philosophy that illuminates the important factor of the other. Whilst I'm an individual, whilst I have to do things to ensure that as an individual, I'm satisfied, but there is not enough in the Afrocentric um, philosophers. You are because of the other. So if you understand that you are because of the other, so your focus is also on the other. And what is it about the other? Giving yourself space to understand the other. Giving yourself space and knowledge about the other. And one of the things I, I like when you're referring to, to, to workshops is I'm, I'm fleshing out, you know, the important aspects of, of, of the other. What did you do today for the other? If you can just check your day. So when you're looking at empathy and it will be during um, the unpacking of the connect um, module, an exercise around empathy. If you can just think back, what did you do for the other? Just name three things. And then it becomes an exercise within the organization. If mm -hmm. I'm able to think about the three things that I've done for the other and the next person does that. So the whole organization, you find that it's embedding empathy because we are now making it a conscious decision to be empathetic. And we are now practicing empathy. So Ubuntu is mainly about, I am because of the other, my well-being is important, but also kindness of the other, compassionate of the other is equally important. So whilst there are so many things that I can do for myself, what else can I do? And also this helps in as far as teamwork is concerned, because you are now thinking about your team. You know, as, as a leader as well, you know, um, there's an ex, you know, another greeting that, um, that the, the Zulu people um, use, which is, is, is also embedded in this um, Ubuntu concept, Saubona. You know, <laughs> Saubona. Um, so you'll find that in, 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 the, in the cultures, um, the Ubuntu concept is embedded in, in how we, we greet each other, you know, the, the attributes in, in the idioms, you know, what, what we do, you know, behaviorally and all of that. So if I say Saubona, I'm saying I see you. Can I try so the, the response? Yeah, yeah, Saubona. <laughs> Sapila. Yes, I'm, I'm well. Yes, there you, go. you know. Okay. So I see you. How are you, Giapila? Yes. Mm. So you know, you will find that just from that greeting, you are actually practicing Ubuntu, and and you're saying that for somebody maybe who's not exposed to this term, so it's fine in various aspects, behaviorally, and also the attributes that we exhibit in our greetings, 
is Ubuntu is found, you know, in the way that we treat uh, the other. You know, in, in going back, some of the names also, they, they you know, they, they exhibit that, you know, they portray this idea of Ubuntu. And I can say, for instance, my name. Um, my name in, in, is in Jabulo, in Zulu, you know, uh, which means the mother of happiness, you know. You, Beautiful. You, mother of joy. So if you are given that name, Njabulu, you need to understand that that which you do must follow your name. How, how then do you ensure that there is joy? Not to say that you should be joyful all the time, you know, it, it becomes mm -hmm. that question of your focus. Do you focus on the negative or the positive? And I say that at times when I'm doing workshops that I make it a conscious decision that I live up to my name. And making a conscious decision means that I've lost, I lost my brother, which is something that was very traumatic to the family. But how then do I ensure that, you know, I generate meaning out of that. I generate positive, you know, emotions out of that and that goes back to the name that was given to me by my parents that how then do you influence other people through your name you can influence other people and your name has joy embedded in it and that's ubuntu so you can influence people through your name by being conscious of what it means because it's got a meaning so i i hope you know um with this long answer, for someone who's listening, we say, what incorporates Ubuntu? Mainly, it's not only about the individual, it's the other. And when you mm -hmm. think about the other, what is it that you can do to ensure that the other also achieves a sense of well-being? Is it kindness? It's being compassionate. You know, elements of appreciation, gratitude. As a leader, you know, it talks to when you're doing your performance um, appraisals, is, is there balance between, you know, um, the negative and when you're exhibiting wound, can you be compassionate and understand, you know, where that person is coming from whilst giving them what they need to hear. So you, you, you learn, you know, to find meaning and incorporate it in, in, in the daily processes of an employee and also to you as a leader. Have I been, you know, um, appreci appreciative of people's experiences? Have I exhibited, you know, gratitude? Have I been empathetic? And all those are components of Ubuntu. So it's things that we've spoken about, but I need to define them in a cultural way so that people can find something that they can relate to. Mm. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful approach that I think can help anyone, not just organizations in South Africa, that idea of what can I do for the other? It's almost the opposite of what you see on social media where people are just in conflict with each other and there's polarization and there's hostility. And, you know, when people are dealing with adversity, they go down the spiral into fight, flight, freeze. I mm -hmm. think considering what can I do for the other? is a way to now nudge yourself back up that spiral. I have a question for you. How are young people 
doing in South Africa. We live in a changing world full of technology, which adds another dimension to our environment. You see this anxiety epidemic around the world. How are young people managing in a VUCA, a very real VUCA environment in South Africa? Sure. Mm -hmm. Another um, important uh, question. Yeah, again, you know, um, I, I like to look at things from uh, different perspectives. There, there is, there is a rise and an uprising of, of young people who are very conscious of their well-being. I'm, I'm actually amazed. I actually marvel of some of the podcasts that have come up, and you know, it's it's the youth, it's young people. They're talking. You know, how do you how do you center yourself? You know, um, what are your well-being practices? Um, the previous Mr. Africa. Um, started um, in, 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 in a wellness Monday, you know, and he had, she had followers of people following her. You have that eagerness, that desire, you know, that consciousness to do something about themselves in order to make sure that they're successful. And it's talking to everything that we talk about, about the Resilience Institute. It's talking to physical well-being. It's talking to emotional well-being. And largely spiritual well-being. There's, there's just an uprising of that, that we, we need to be conscious of our spirit and, and define it in a way that people can understand. Because um, there's, you know, ancestral spirits, there's... Um, People, religious people, who talk of, you know, Christianity, and they get, you know, their spirituality there. And then you have a group of people who find their spirituality from just being in nature, and, you know, being present and finding meaning in all of those um, aspects. Mental well-being is key. You know, there's a lady um, called Bumi Libaba. She's she's got a post postcard with so many followers. It's, it's about wellness, the wellness, it's wellness. Wow. Wisdom. Yes, there, there is also um, another lady, Madai, um, I've forgotten her name, I think it's Madai, and her podcast is also about living well. You have a group of people and it's very impressive and, you know, they're giving us a run for our money because they're they talking, you know, resilience, they they're talking psychological concepts and it's very encouraging. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But sadly, whilst we have that uprising, it said it's important that it's how you um, re respond to the different stops instead of um, reacting to the different stops. And I think this is being by the number of suicides that we've had in the country, especially really? prominent, yes, prominent artists. Depression, um, artists who have come out, you know, publicly to say that I'm depressed. Whilst it's good for psychology in the sense that the stigma around, you know, mental illness, in a way, is being alleviated, you know. At the same time, it just shows you the magnitude you know, of mental illness that we have. 
it just tells you the magnitude of how depressed and how anxious people are. So we do have anxious people, we do, sorry, anxious youth, and you find that in, in, in organizations. And there was one organization uh, when we were doing, you know, our resilience um, diagnostic. And I think you are, you are aware of the data where it indicated that the group of the youth, I think it was about 25 to about 35, they showed low resilience. Whilst that data was a reflection of just one corporate, and I think it's a reflection of a broader society. We do have youth that is battling, you know, struggling with a number of um, challenges that are posed to us. Social media, is, as you um, have mentioned, has got a role to play in a sense that different realities. I have this reality, but social media is giving me another reality. Yes. And it goes back to, you know, how we respond to different things. Other people would say, you know, reflect on it and say, this is where I am as a person and this is my journey. And look at where they've been and how far, you know, they've come. But other people, they need help. They need assistance to get to that point because what they see, they take it as a bad reflection on them. And, and it's very um, sad. We yeah. get that in organizations and unfortunately, you know, um, it becomes a referral process when you pick it up on um, the resilience diagnostic that as management, we are sensitizing you that there's a discrepancy between the youth and um, your older groups. Can we have focused, you know, webinars that will deal with these issues, you know, other organization, they'll take it up and have focus, but also, we also recommend that once we know that as, you know, a collective, that there are these issues, be mindful and maybe do referrals, be conscious as a leader when you are having um, your one-on-one -on -one talks and refer people because now we know that it's there, it's exist because people's previous experiences in terms of uh, openness, you know, um, differs based on um, their beliefs. People are hurt, they may have opened up and maybe um, somebody did not take them seriously and they just deepened their wounds. So you're yeah. dealing also dealing with uh, different layers when it comes to people's beliefs, which is, is, is quite key on, on this journey that mm. whatever that you're doing, you know, um, it, it's centered on people's beliefs, it's centered on people's um, values. Whilst in our uh, modules, we deal with engagement and helping people find meaning. It's, it's finding meaning um, through flow, but also it's finding meaning in what you are doing. You know, is, yes. is, yeah, is my job giving me meaning? You know, um, is, is what I'm doing giving me joy? And Am I really feeling that I'm, I'm using my personal strengths here to help me achieve that what I want to achieve. Do I understand my personality? Do I understand my beliefs? And if my personality is not aligned you know, to what I'm doing, hence there's that mismatch between my school and, and the challenges 
am I able to articulate that? You know, am I aware of that so that my leader can um, take action? Um, and am I aware of, of my own personal strengths? How do I use my personal strengths in order to make sure that I find meaning? So, so you know, as 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 as, as facilitators and and dealing with the youth, you know, in 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 a, in a very important question, we we become meaning makers as well. Yes. You know, so to so, to help them, you know, find meaning, um, because you do get that. Um, you 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 talk about the VUCA. I've, I've just heard about the bunny word as well. I don't know, Brad, how many of these acronyms we, we're going to get. And I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to, you know, to find myself in this bunny environment, you know, that it, it's, it's an anxious word. It, it is true, it's an anxious word. I'm not saying, you know, for, for me, I'm not saying we should throw out the hookah because we still live in an uncertain world. You know, we still live in an, a copless world. So I do pick up some of the things, but it doesn't mean we should throw away VUCA and now it's now bunny, it's no longer VUCA. It is an issue. So I'm, I'm, I'm just making reference to the bunny world in, in terms of the question with the youth that, yes, I'm, I'm feeling, but how do I as a leader, you know, make sure that I, I, I help the youth to find meaning in what they're doing? And how do I, you know, um, you know, as, as also... Uh, my own, you know, um, you know, personal um, self or my own self, find meaning in what, in what I'm doing because you can find meaning at work. And, and that's what we try um, and, and facilitate through flow. You find, yes. meaning, you know, in your team, um, you, you, you find meaning in your organization. Um, what, what are the organizational uh, values, you know, um, and, and are you aligned to those values? What are the programs within the organizations that are aligned to what um, you, you, you value? Do you participate in all those? So you find meaning in those areas. You find meaning in your family. You know, um, your, your family gives you meaning. You get a sense of it. You find meaning in your friends. You find meaning in your colleagues. So it becomes that, that uh, conscious decision that once we understand that we, we, we have these two extremes of people who are conscious um, of, of how they need to respond to the various challenges and, and, and find ways of adapting. We also have the other streams of uh, troubled youth, the youth that is battled and it needs a solution as people who can help them find um, a meaning. And then it also becomes our role when, when we are facilitating the resilience. And that's why I like you know um, the, the whole resilience concept because it's multifaceted. Yes. If it means that it's no one size fits all, you, you just need to understand your, your own personal um, economics of happiness. Because resilience also means to relax. I don't know where this notion comes from that, you yes. know, it's go, 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 go. That, that's, that's not, not resilience. No, not in our concept. Mm -hmm. not, not in our concept. You know, actually, you know, it's our resilience says that. Make time for yourself. Exactly. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's how you bounce. Yeah. How do you make sure that what are your source, sources of vitality? Is, is it sleeping? Is it, is it food? You know, are you aware of all of those things? Is, is it, you know, physical well-being? Just choose something that, yes. that will help you, you know, 
find meaning. So we are meaning makers in a way. I love that idea. And you are such a meaning maker. I can just see it in action. You as a force for, <laughs> as a force for positivity and joy and, and happiness in, in the work that you do. And I think that's reflected in our latest global report. We'll put a link in the show notes. Performance requires care. Every elite sports team knows this. You can't just perform, perform, perform without the rhythms of performance or flow, recovery. And in fact, our founder's new book is called Rhythm. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you, Njibulo. Please do connect with Njibulo if you are looking for a meaning maker for your organization. And I'll see you in the next Resilience Podcast. Thanks, Njibula. Thank you. Thank you so much.